0: My name's Anthony Padilla, and today I'll be spending a day with Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube who began as one of Google's first employees. This is understandably a controversial subject for me to broach, but I'm going to do my best to address the issues that I, along with so many of you have, while also getting to know Susan better as a person. By the end of this video, we'll find out what becoming CEO and running this $170 billion company is really like, just how deep she gets into the drama and gossip that occurs on the platform and YouTube. YouTube's role in deplatforming its creators. Is holding the highest ranking position at one of the most culturally impactful platforms on the internet entirely rewarding or has the sheer amount of attacks and rage that Susan's endured as CEO made her want to avoid looking at the internet altogether? Hello, Susan. Hello. Do you remember the first time you heard about YouTube and what you thought of it?
1: So I first heard about YouTube from the very, very beginning. I worked on a product that Google had before YouTube, which was called Google Video. For a variety of reasons, YouTube started growing in a very compelling way. And at the time, we lived in this world where it was only traditional media, and no one had really thought about like, could a normal person just right. upload and become a star. And I realized there was a whole new wave of storytelling, and that's why I was so. Yeah. Such a strong advocate for Google to really invest
0: here. That's so interesting that you were on that side of it, seeing that potential, while I was on the content creator side, seeing the potential of it. Their little slogan was broadcast yourself. And I was like, oh, whoa, I can, I can upload content. And I remember uploading our first video with Smosh and then seeing feedback from people, like 12 comments, just blew my mind that people were there and ready to interact immediately. What made you feel like you were the right person to take lead in this hugely influential platform? It was really, you
1: know, Larry Page, who is the founder of Google, who who offered me that role. And I immediately knew that I had to decide right then and there.
0: You had to um, decide within that conversation if you wanted to be CEO of YouTube. Within
1: a second. <laughs> And it was an easy choice. I, I knew. I was like, Yes, I, I love on I love YouTube. I, I think it's amazing. Were you
0: even even able to like think about the huge undertaking that you were about to undergo? No, I had no idea. <laughs> You're like, I'll figure it out. Future me can worry about that. How stressful is this job? You're trying to appeal to the creators, the viewers, the advertisers, the investors, the lawmakers, like so many people at once.
1: There are definitely stressful moments. Like, first of all, I've done this for a long time. And the fact that I have done it for so many years gives me some perspective on it that whatever the issue is, I know that we can work through it. But I think what is really hard about this role is no matter what you do and how well the platform's doing and how well it's growing, you're always going to have a lot of constituents who are saying you're not doing enough of one or the other.
0: I'm sure there's a couple commenters right now saying some things like that.
1: I recognize that there's so many creators and small businesses and they're dependent on the decisions that we make. And I take that very seriously and I want to do a good job. In the end, all these hard conversations, Like the reason I love doing it is because of the, the stories that we hear about the impact it has, and that's why right. at the end of the day, I, I'm committed.
0: Is there anything that you do to prevent yourself from experiencing burnout?
1: Well, For me, the biggest thing is to focus on what I'm excited about. I also sure. need to have a break. I, I think that's one of the hardest things about this job is I could do this job twenty four hours a day and it wouldn't be enough.
0: No, there's always an email to respond to, always an issue that needs to be addressed. There
1: always is. I need to at some point just stop.
0: Do you have time that you like schedule to put your phone down and just like get away from your work for a little bit? I mean
1: I I schedule at the end of the day. I have to take I have to stop. Even if I'm not done, I have to stop. And and have to get time to exercise and be outside and see friends and family. So you're
0: telling me self care is important.
1: It's very important. It's amazing. The next morning, like usually I look at it, it's like, oh that problem isn't so bad. And I just like, power through it, yeah. but at night it looked like I'd never get through
0: it. But with that said, there are certain elements to YouTube that make it very, very difficult to do that. Considering creators are competing with over 500 hours of content being uploaded to YouTube every single minute and an ever evolving algorithm that's exhausting to keep up with, are you aware of the burnout that this creates for creators? We
1: actually looked across a large number of channels. I believe it was millions of channels over Mm. a six year period to understand what happened to creators' channels when they did take a break. And what we saw Mm. is that on average, their viewership and engagement was equal or greater when they returned. Really? Yes, really. We really want creators to know they can take a break.
0: Do you think it's just kind of like this innate human behavior, this reaction to seeing success, to kind of feel like, oh, I can't take a break, I need to continue this momentum? Or do you think it is something intrinsically designed within the YouTube platform that makes people feel like they have to continue going at full throttle nonstop?
1: It is a competitive space. You know, the environment changes. Changes, culture changes very quickly, and so I, I don't know if it's YouTube specific as it is just mm. media.
0: And how many hours a week do you spend consuming content on YouTube?
1: I mean, I probably watch YouTube at least an hour every day, just personally.
0: That's me on a very low day. Like for me, it's probably like well, I watch it three I hours to, at least.
1: But I mean, when yeah. I watch it for work, usually those are like. Different kinds of videos. Sometimes they're like videos that are like of something
0: that's gone wrong. Many creators feel constant pressure to optimize every single aspect of their content with increasingly eye-catching titles and thumbnails, as well as the pressure to keep viewers from clicking on the competing related videos that display alongside their content. Do you have any plans to ease this burden on creators?
1: To you it might seem like competing content, but I think to viewers it might seem like lots of options and an opportunity also to discover you know, different creators, right?
0: Creating content on YouTube has obviously like changed my life for the better. I would not be who I am today without YouTube. But then again, you know, someone might ask me about like the struggles, what's it like creating content on YouTube? I can say something like, imagine that you're in a work environment that doesn't always lay out clear guidelines for what's rewarded and Abruptly changes those guidelines and expectations and puts the onus on you to interpret your own performance metrics in order to succeed. What kind of impact on an employee's work and general well-being do you think this creates?
1: In some ways, all jobs have some amount of uncertainty in them. It's not always clearly laid out for you and it, it can be mm. positive and difficult. But on YouTube specifically, like we, we want to communicate more with creators and we, we have a huge initiative to try to be make sure that we're doing everything we can for creators to understand our platform and understand how it works.
0: Do you think there will ever be just one place where people know that they can always see a constant, like, Rolodex of updates so that it's easy to know what's going on?
1: Well, we try to put it in YouTube Studio because that's the place that we know all creators are going to.
0: Before we continue learning about the world of being the CEO of YouTube, I'd like to thank the absurdly talented 3D and VFX artist Jacob Dalton for creating the coming up screen that you just witnessed. And of course, I'd also like to thank you for continuing to support me and giving me the opportunity to. See sit down with some incredibly remarkable people and being open to this new format I've been experimenting with, just having one-on-one interviews, just a single guest per episode. Like uh, I spent a day with Mia Khalifa, Corpse Husband, Dream, and even now, the CEO of YouTube herself. Now back to the world of being the CEO of YouTube. Do you keep up to date with any drama or gossip that goes on on YouTube?
1: I mean, yes, I do.
0: Like the petty stuff, or like I mean, what kind of level? It is my
1: job, in a, in a sense, to, to know what's yeah happening on YouTube.
0: And how much does this drama affect your job and the decisions that you make behind the scenes?
1: When there is drama, I I want to make sure that I'm aware of it. You know, generally understand what what's going on, and mm. it's just something that. We need to step in and, and to, to make sure that we're protecting the community. Or is there something that's missing in our policies that maybe isn't protected, like some kind of action and the creators are upset and and we need policy to deal with this going forward? So I'm really looking at it from that perspective.
0: Many mental health professionals are beginning to link media trauma, including public humiliation, shaming, and misrepresentation campaigns with the intent of tarnishing another creator's reputation for personal gain and monetization. They're linking that with complex PTSD. Do you feel the way that the YouTube platform is designed inadvertently rewards and encourages? This kind of behavior.
1: We're working to discourage that. One of the things that we saw is that people were sometimes repeatedly attacking someone, but in a in a small way. So it'd be like yeah. everything, you no, know, but it's just like a little.
0: The one person doesn't feel like the one jab is contributing to this much bigger damage.
1: That's why we actually then started to implement policy around that and have you know a variety of different steps, whether it's, it's monetization mm. or having a strike or you know, losing the channel yeah. ultimately because we we don't want to see creator on creator ha- harassment.
0: I've seen more and more of that with the with certain sections of the site feeling like tabloids in a way or like gossip sites where they become centers of attack to like drive people off the platform and almost deplatform them.
1: We Trying to keep tabs on what's happening and making sure that we have the right policies in place to address that.
0: And on the opposite side of that, does YouTube plan to be de- platform creators based on allegations of illegal activities provided in videos uploaded to the platform?
1: When we do see legal activity um, or there is clear proof of a crime, there certainly will be times it makes sense to to uh, remove them from the platform. These cases take many different forms, and some people, yeah are accused but they're actually innocent and and or they they say they didn't do it but then the it's
0: very messy. they're
1: guilty so there could be many mm. different examples of this but yes i mean we're trying to make sure that we are not having any kind of like nexus or connection to illegal activity in terms of things that have happened on the platform
0: yeah and i can see that being really difficult to differentiate between the two cuz like you said sometimes there's false allegations that people make maybe someone does it just because they know it's going to get them views and make them money with ads and then there's other people that are being genuine so it's like I feel like it's a very nuanced and difficult situation to be in, especially when people are putting that responsibility on YouTube to make all those decisions and to always know what's best. And people have this mob mentality where they say, We all think this is true, so it might as well be true and you should act as if it's true.
1: And I don't want to generalize because we look at every case, we try to go on all the facts, not you know, who's saying what about what, but what are the facts of the case and what's the right thing for the overall community.
0: Why do you feel it makes sense to allow edgier or even straight-up lewd content to remain fully monetizable, even allowing it to sit at the top of YouTube's trending tab if it's in the form of a music video while demonetizing or blacklisting the same type of content otherwise?
1: Advertisers have decisions about where their dollars go. They're spending money mm-hmm. with YouTube, and if if we put them on a video that they don't like, like they're going to you know, pull spend from that creator going forward and they may pull spend from a lot of other creators and they might pull it from all of youtube there is a lot more tolerance from the advertising community to be on music videos when they're the best selling mm. video. When you have really popular music, you know, that's like established and everybody's singing it and it's very popular. So it's more music.
0: so the advertiser that decides I want to be on this lewd content because it's popular.
1: You can't say like, hey, like you need to be on this creator like or you know or what? Or we're gonna yeah. like take away all your spend. They'll be like, okay fine. I'll yeah. the advertisers will literally choose like they'll have a whitelist and they'll have people mm-hmm. in their department and they will say These are the videos we want to run on, and they just hand us a white list.
0: If there's anyone in the comments right now angrily claiming that you, Susan, are the key reason that YouTube isn't the way they wish it were, what would you say to them?
1: It's much more complicated.
0: (laughs) It's not just me. You're not going to blame someone else?
1: I'll take ultimately responsibility for everything, but it has to do with the fact we want to enable as many creators, we want them to have monetization. Um, But a lot of times these issues are much more complex than people understand, that maybe the changes that we implemented, for example, are due to regulation, or they're due because these changes we've done will enable more advertisers to come and spend more revenue with YouTube creators. It's not like I just made a decision by myself and then was like, "You're not sitting in a control room
0: flipping switches and saying yes, turn this on, no, turn that off."
1: We want to have as much free expression as possible.
0: How do you feel about people specifically targeting you with these things? Like when I posted the community tab post asking people to submit questions for this, many people were like specifically attacking you in some ways. How do you feel when you receive those attacks? Do you just kind of brush it off? It's
1: hard, and and it is much more complex than people realize. I mean, sure, if I could just like wave a magic wand and make everybody happy, I, I would.
0: Do you try not to read those comments, or or do you just do you just do they just brush off your back? Do you do, do any of them get to you?
1: Look at the end of the day, I do it because I believe in the value that YouTube's creating, and
0: right. even though
1: there are some people who are angry, and, and you know, I also try to make sure that I'm being, I'm listening, um, and and I'm hearing mm. them, and and I. You know, the, the demonetization, um, what was it, the ad-apocalypse, right?
0: ad apocalypse. Right? Ad-pocalypse, just want to say, you got to say it perfectly or people are going to roast.
1: Yes, <laughs> Adpocalypse.
0: There you go.
1: (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's not a word I said a lot. Um, I read it. That was a period of time where it was really hard. It was was so hard. And like everyone was yelling at us. I mean, the kids were yelling at us. Our advertisers were yelling at us. Internally, people were yelling at us.
0: I'm sure you had some prime ministers yelling at you somewhere.
1: (laughs) It was a really good time. I'll just leave it at that.
0: When you reflect as your time as CEO, what do you think you're most proud of?
1: I mean, I'm proud overall that the platform has enabled so many people to tell their story and to have careers in storytelling that otherwise they never would have had.
0: You know that the community is the foundation for the entire platform so it sounds to me like you're you're wanting to constantly hear do, this feedback and that you do. appreciate and
1: it I, I watch videos where people are complaining about YouTube I read the comments I am on Twitter there you <laughs> go leave
0: some comments below and Susan will read them maybe
1: uh, I read through them and when it's something that I think we need to change I'll send it to our team and'll I'll send it say hey like I Saw this video. Mm. You should watch it. And, and I find gaps in our what we yeah. do, and I try to fix it.
0: It is easy to overlook things because you obviously are not an average user in the sense that you're not on the site 10 hours a day like some Well, I, I do
1: have things I <laughs> to do. You can be, of course. I mean, I just I wouldn't be doing my job <laughs> if I was yeah. on 10 <laughs> hours a day. I have to. Do things.
0: You're like I right. just consume YouTube I, now. I, I don't I even manage it YouTube anymore. I be doing my job. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest misconception about you
1: there are you know issues that I just don't want to fix a lot of times there mm. are much much deeper um, and they're more complicated you criticized us on um, our monetization around um, sexual content
0: I personally feel these topics and the people affected by their discussions are extremely important despite YouTube's advertisers blacklisting this content from being discovered. Because I saw it as a point of view of like a journalistic perspective, having conversations that I feel could be incredibly impactful and helpful for many people, but yet YouTube sees the word sex and says this can't happen even though I I'm like there's a YouTube for kids out there like this is YouTube this is standard YouTube this is okay for this yeah side and, of YouTube. and
1: one of them was around monetization in mm. that you're like oh well YouTube mm-hmm. has made this decision
0: videos discussing anything sexual whether it be for educational purposes or journalism are almost Always demonetized by YouTube.
1: Advertisers may not necessarily choose to associate their brand with that content. I mean, so it's not necessarily YouTube's decision, but I will say that like our goal is to try to, you know, continue to work on the advertiser community to understand like you know, what can work for them and why. And then in that video, you also right. said right. that we will like not distribute it, like in search and recommendations.
0: Just recommend or push it, distribute it.
1: And that's actually a common that video did, yes. People always will say that, oh, like it got demonetized and we suppressed it in some way in the, you know, recommendations and stuff. But what happens is if there's content that is maybe edgier or more adult in themes, then mm-hmm. we also have to, it's, it's not necessarily that we are trying to like you know, suppress it it's that we may we may need to be just more, like more careful because it's a more of an adult type of content in reality things are just much more complicated there are many aspects about why we're making the decisions that we are
0: So you're telling me there's nuance. <laughs> All right, you got five seconds to shout out to promote anything you want directly in the camera, go.
1: Thank you to all the creators for all your incredible work and I'm going to do everything I can to continue to grow the community in the best way I can. Subscribe to the Anthony Padilla channel.
0: Subscribe to the <laughs> Anthony Padilla channel right here, right now.
1: Right, you want me to point down? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, there you have it. I spent a day with Susan Wojcicki, the CEO of YouTube, and I feel like I understand where she's coming from and her position a little bit more. and The thing that actually struck me most was just how willing it sounds like she is to listen and try to understand the issues that so many of us are having with the platform. Also how it's a natural inclination to place full blame on the CEO of any company, but of course, there is so much more nuance to the way that companies actually work behind the scenes. I really hope to spend another day with her soon to see how many of our concerns have actually been addressed and also to see how much Susan's life has changed as well.
1: So when you created the Smosh movie and you asked for Mr. YouTube, the YouTube CEO was a total asshole. Um, Can you just explain that to
0: me? The idea of it was just, wouldn't it be funny if this guy needs to be an asshole because it's funny? And I don't think that it was much deeper than that. I mean, it wasn't based off you or anything, I swear. <laughs> did you actually watch that? I
1: watched that scene, yeah. <laughs> I, I did think it was fun. I, I did think it
0: was <laughs> Smash the movie. Susan Wachiski approved. <laughs>